Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Uh, ben, every week, Ben and I talk to you guys about the latest happenings in the automotive industry and some of the cool cars we've been driving, and we've actually got some pretty cool cars to talk about this week. Um, actually, we've had a pretty good streak of cool cars, haven't we? We yeah, it's been a very interesting month at least, which is you know weird because it's February <laughs> or it yeah. was February. Now it's March, but February is usually kind of a dead time for interesting cars because it's winter up here in Canada, and you have to travel usually somewhere warm to get something interesting in in, in, in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right there. You're ready. I'm to good. I had a stroke, but I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> okay. Don't look uh, at me though. Let's talk about one vehicle that you and I both drove, um, which I love it when this happens because we do it completely by accident. Uh, I'm talking about the BMW X5, and this is the X-Drive 50 edition of the car, which is the 4.4-liter twin-turbo V8, I believe, is the displacement and engine size. Yeah, it's they're going to run out of the numbers eventually, <laughs> but we're at 50 now, so let's keep it at 50 for for a little while. Right. Now, this was, I drove one of these and it was kitted out. And I believe it cost about a hundred and actually, it was about a hundred thousand Canadian and around 90,000 90, US, which is an incredible amount of money. But I was thoroughly impressed with this X5. What about you? Did you have a. Did you have a positive or negative experience with your Xbox? I actually had a pretty positive experience, which surprised me because oh. I wasn't sure how I would like the vehicle because I'm not a huge fan of the X3 and the X4, which we talked about. We actually had uh, an X4 episode, I think, last mm-hmm. month. And, well, what is it about those cars that you didn't like and were, were giving you uh, some reason to pause when walking into the X5? Well, I just didn't really find them to be super luxurious overall uh it's Mm -hmm. and i didn't really see the upgrade over a wagon for a vehicle like the x3 okay they're not necessarily bad vehicles um and i think we talked a lot about how the x4 is very much a lifestyle i don't really want to dig too much deeply no stop if you bring up the x4 again I'll, i'll we'll just stop the podcast okay um I wanted to tell you that the X3 has its place, and the X5 and the X3 are so drastically different. For one specific reason I wanted to bring up to you, okay? And this is the the last time I'll talk about the X3, too. Um, The headroom in the X5, in the rear of the vehicle, is less than the headroom in the X3. Okay. Which makes me realize that the X5 is not for the family types that the X3 is designed for. The X5 instead, to at least from my experience driving it, is a is a showcase of what BM, what a luxurious BMW um, SUV can be. I think that that's a lot to extrapolate from one particular <laughs> measurement of a vehicle. What does the wheel size tell you, Sammy? What's the vibe you're getting from the, we'll the rims on the, the X5? We can talk about the wheel size later, but I just want to get to, I mean, it's not just the fact that it seems like if you wanted a car with more space, um, I mean, passenger space, you'd get the X3, but the X5 just felt more of a of a dry, uh, like a, a, a driver and front passenger car and cargo space car. Yeah, sure. But the materials in this car were fantastic. The technology was all uh, was really impressive. And the driving, like the motor, the powertrain, it's incredible. It's so good. Can we please start with the powertrain? This V8, which makes uh, 456 horsepower and I think 479 pound-feet of torque. I want to go back to the people Uh-oh. who are sitting in your second row. How tall are they? 
Like in in your ideal family world, where you have a child that sits in that second row, how tall is that child? And what, what do you, you think the answer was? No, I'm asking you. It's a question. Me? What am I going to? I mean, how tall is it? I mean, if it's an, if a if it's a um, young adult or 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 uh, older teen, it will feel a little cramped back there. You started off the podcast by essentially judging the X Five based on this one metric, and it's it seems to be very important to you. So I just want to dive as deep as possible into headroom in the second row because I think that's something that I've honestly never thought about in in my review of the X Five, where I sat in the second row and everything seemed fine. In fact, you can get a third row with the X Five. Yeah, cannot um, the, the the third row idea is is a no go. You have to be desperate to get something like that. Yeah, I agree. But the second row is is completely like I I would I was not sitting in the X Five second row thinking, oh, if only I was in an X Three. If only I could wear my top hat. You know, I just didn't I, have, did, I didn't have that vibe. I definitely felt a little cramped in the back of the X Five. Okay. Maybe we have different we have different definitions of what a modern uh, second row uh, seating area should. should well, we also have very buy. different bodies. I mean, yours is so smooth and muscular and hairless. <laughs> it's it's only hairless in some parts. Yeah, it's um, it's like a, like a baseball diamond. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, get to get to this car with me and stop talking about my body and the and the second in the back row of that car. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Mine had the V8 too, the Twin Turbo V8. Uh, so it, I agree with you that it's definitely an overall luxury experience with the X5 that I was not expecting. The, the vehicle, mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculously quick. So the, the, the three the, the three liter uh, straight six, the mm-hmm. Turbo Six, does zero to sixty in four point nine seconds. I don't pretty know. Pretty good. Which I is don't, yeah. surprisingly good. It's really, really fast for a 300 horsepower, obviously not 300 horsepower vehicle. Yeah. So there's, you mentioned it's 456 horsepower in the V8. Yeah. And the torque is phenomenal. It is an incredibly quick vehicle. And it comes with an eight speed automatic transmission mm-hmm. and standard all wheel drive. And mine also had uh, an air suspension so I could raise it up and lower it and raise it up and lower it and, and do that over and over again until I got bored of it. And then I just let it do whatever it wanted. But okay. it's, it, it's it's the drivetrain package in this vehicle is honestly over the top. It's completely unnecessary. Like it was so fast, and I never really felt like I would need that kind of speed in a vehicle this large. And yet there it was at my fingertips whenever I needed it. I thought it was a perfect. It's a fantastic powertrain, and and I think BMW doesn't get enough credit for this four point four liter twin turbo V eight because it's really good. The torque in particular. Is is the feeling of torque in, in particular is really good. It really does put you back in your seat. However, the peak horsepower. I was looking at the figures when when writing my story on this. The peak horsepower is only it, it peaks for about eight less than eight hundred uh, RPM, which I believe is not long enough for you to enjoy that four hundred fifty six horsepower. Wait, what do you mean it, peak? Like it, it's not flat at that point. It should be flat. It's a turbo. No, uh, peak horsepower five twenty. Uh, sorry. The peak horsepower rises. I thought you were talking 52. about torque. No, no, the torque is the torque is very good. The horsepower is is there for only a, a, a maybe a second, if not less, which is incredible. Well, that's why we have transmissions with multiple forward gears. Yes, eight of them in this car. <laughs> I thought this car was unbelievably quick. Four, it's got to be four and a half seconds to, to highway speeds. It felt so good on the road. It felt like nothing was going to be faster than you, which is incredible for a car of this size. It, it weighs over 5,000 pounds, man, and it's massive. It's got, it's got 
presence on the road. And I think that, I don't know, I was really impressed with this X5, and I really wasn't expecting it because I think when you see an X5, you think family, uh, luxurious family SUV, and I didn't get that. And well, you know, it's big, but it didn't feel big to drive. Like I never felt like it was ponderous. I, I took it, uh, I took it out of the city for a while. I did a, did a bit of a highway trip with it, and I also drove it, you know, around town, parking garages, that kind of thing. And it really wasn't unwieldy to drive, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think it has more presence than the, than the X3 or the X4, which is really great. But the the other thing that really uh, struck me about the vehicle, even beyond the powertrain, is how nice it is inside. And you and I have talked mm-hmm. several times about the, the plainness of recent BMW interiors conservative interiors that's what they've always been really really playing it safe i think is the best way to play it and And the x5 is not like that no it's not like that it is it is quite uh easy on the eyes but not Mm -hmm. only is it easy on the eyes it it feels special um isn't that wild i feel like that's something that the x5 hasn't done in past no no that, that that that's that's very true and uh you have nice leather you have a uh, the ambient lighting inside the car has about 12 13 14 different settings you can change the highlights you can change the <laughs> colors you can change the brightness all sorts of stuff like that the the gauge cluster is um lcd or, or tft you have a head up display you have a very the, the the ultimate you know it's funny i was it was in i was in a an x5 the x5 with a friend of mine and he was like, remember when iDrive was so bad and all we did was complain about it? And and now it's great. It's honestly BMW listened to everything that everyone said about their infotainment system and then implemented those fixes so people would like using it more. And that is rare in the world of, uh, of automobiles. There are so many car companies out there. We talked last week and the week before about terrible infotainment systems. And BMW has relentlessly pursued something uh, – relentlessly improved uh, – relentlessly pursued improvement with iDrive. I agree with you. I want to talk, though, there's there's a lot going on with the interior, a lot of small but important details that made, that caught my eye, and I think that's really important in a luxurious car like this because sometimes they just, they just do the big stuff and then that's it, you know? Um, okay, you talked about the ambient lighting. Did you know that the ambient lighting in this car is, like, adap- like adaptive i don't know how else to describe it but it does it's context sensitive it's very interesting are you saying so that there's you, a camera with a robot that watches you no. as the driver and then it determines your feelings and then based on your feelings it changes the color of the lights i wish but it's not quite that uh, sophisticated if you had a door open the the ambient lighting along that door will go red to tell you that that door is is open if the uh if your hands are off the steering wheel there are two ambient lighting strips on the steering wheel, which will which will glow yellow or or red to remind you to put your hands back on the steering wheel, which I found very funny. I didn't notice um, that at it, all. I did not notice that <laughs> whatsoever. And I did drive the I mean, vehicle at night. I found that interesting because, well, I mean, you're you're probably looking out the window instead of staring at the steering I'm wheel. I'm so old. I can't notice things that are immediately in front of my face that are vital to the safety of not only myself but others on the road. <laughs> I found so, but okay. In addition to those little details, the the car comes with that gesture controls, oh, which allow you to, which allow you to adjust the uh, volume, the the audio system volume by twirling your finger in the air. It allows you to um, fast forward or rewind by by making a thumbs up and and poking to the left or the right. Yeah, that doesn't and work. I by found the way. this. It worked perfectly for me. No. Now, these all of these things I've said are gimmicks. They're such gimmicks, and they're unnecessary to the operation of the vehicle. But 
they're they're when you show a friend any of these things, they go, "Wow, we're living in the next age of of automobiles." And oh you know what? Goodness. When you spend this much money on a car and it impresses your buddies. That's important to, to some buyers. Okay, counterpoint to all of that marketing BS that just spewed out of your mouth. Uh, I had a friend in the car who could not get any of those controls to work whatsoever, no matter – because every time – here's the thing that Sammy's not telling you. is it, Let's say you use like a button like a normal human being to skip ahead a song. It, it On the screen, it shows you the gesture you could also be making to make it happen. So, yeah. It it actually physically which shows is obnoxious you. too. It's yeah, like, it's like you know, it's, like, it's almost like saying, "Hey, you're doing it wrong." <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it shows you the gesture, like exactly what you need to do. Here's here's a plot twist. It doesn't work. <laughs> it works for me. I don't know what you do. No, neither you me guys. or myself could get. Uh, we can get the the volume to change, but mm. we can't. I cannot reliably mute it unless I'm rocking out to the song and I put my fist in the air and it mutes right at the best part. Right, it's about the worst. <laughs> and and I cannot skip tracks. It just does not work. Nothing I could do or my companion could do would make it do that. You know what? When I buy a car, I don't want it to be like Minority Report where I need like exceptional upper body strength just to work the interface for the for the stereo system. Upper it's the one part of the BMW. Strength. I like the X5 a lot. This is the one part of the car that I just find very gimmicky. Sorry, gimmicky. I don't think anyone's asking for this technology. Uh, no. And it, it certainly didn't make me say, wow, it just kind of frustrated me. That's very interesting. I find, you know, a lot of people let's let's I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but you know the the Tesla vehicles, the Model X and the Model S have a lot of these really quirky gimmicks, be it like a party mode or a or Wait, something like that. What's party mode? Tell me about party mode. Um I I, I believe <laughs> Did you just make up party mode? No, of course not. Of course I not. I believe the car do? can flash its lights in unison and to the beat of your of a song. Like a Kia Soul. Yes, but the exterior lights as well. What, why would you want that? Why not? Okay, can it do that? What car can do that? The That that car. That's it. What car? <laughs> Tesla Model X and Model S. Okay. Does it do it like all the time, like while you're on the highway? Does no. It have to be a you, I believe you have to park it or do something like that. Um, and then you've got other features like in the, in the, you know, you can put that Lotus submarine as your, as your car and the navigation system yeah, well, or something it, it, like that. You connect in Chrysler, you can put a Viper, you can put a little gimmick, you can put a spaceship if you want. Easter eggs. And I find that to be, it's not like the gesture controls get in the way of using they any do, of these because features. I'm rocking out and I pump my fist and it mutes the music. That has but happened. You can turn them off. Once. Oh, I don't know how to do that. No one does. <laughs> okay, then let's stop talking about the the guest the the gesture the gesture control, <laughs> uh, which are very much a guess for for Ben when you're not knowing what, how to use them. Oh, but the controls in the car, mine had these really fancy finish on the iDrive controller and the shifter. I believe it's like a crystal look. Oh Have yeah, it's like have to- it's it's like someone went into Forever Twenty One or Sephora and like decided to deck out the interior of the X Five with like crystals and and um, and uh, Swarovski. Uh, right. Yeah. It's, it looks it's hilarious. Great. It, it's but, funny because there's X on the uh, the shifter that Sammy's talking about has an X like etched into it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it from anywhere other than the like dead on, you get a double display of X's. So it says XX <laughs> yeah. and it's lit up. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. It's perfect. <laughs> Just plenty of X's. And you're like, oh, what did I get myself into with all these neon lights everywhere? It's very tween. That's that's how <laughs> I, I would put it. It's it's a unique choice. I don't dislike it, but it's not like anything else in its segment. 
Um, but what I found is I was driving in, in, in the middle of the day and, um, light from light, the sunlight was caught in that, <laughs> in that crystal, in those crystal knobs <laughs> and I got blinded. You were blinded by the crystal knobs? Yeah, by the crystal gear shift. I, I was so. dream like that once. <laughs> I was literally blinded by the light, which brought to, which brought to, um, Brought to the forefront of our attention that this car has fantastic driver assistance features. Why did like a did a shade instantly descend and like no, did a voice that would have been helpful, apologize right? to you in German? Like, <laughs> no, I mean it has the only problem I have is when you're using it, it's really good when you're using the adaptive cruise control. The lane keep and the uh, the the gap that it keeps with the car in front of you is very. Um, it's very good at doing that, and it stops the car for a very long distance. It can stop it through full intersections as long as the car in front of you hasn't proceeded yet, and it can wait that whole intersection um, really nicely. I like that. However, when you're not using adaptive cruise control and the lane keep assistance um, software or the, the lane departure warning software kicks in, it really is jarring. It really boots you in the complete opposite direction in a, in a very uh, abrupt way, and I didn't like that at all. Uh, you know, another thing I liked about the powertrain of the vehicle is if you put it in Sport Plus mode, you get like that crazy, super aggressive um, V8 growl from the tailpipes. And uh, the other thing, too, is when you when you first turn it on, you get like, I don't know, four or five seconds of very aggressive tailpipe action, too, which I appreciated. And then it quiets down. I was expecting this car to be a little loud uh, after hearing it uh, turn on. But when you're on the road, you really don't hear much at all. It's very well isolated. Well, unless in- you're in Sport Plus. I mean, if you're in regular or, or, or individual or whatever, you, you won't hear it. But if you, if you turn it to Sport mode, you will hear it. What I'm saying is I believe that this car is like a total package for luxury car buyers. Yeah. My, my only issue with it. I actually I have a couple of issues. Let's let's well, I said, the second enough, seat headroom. Yeah, the, the second seat is it feels a little cramped for me. There's also a split tailgate. Yeah, it's totally unnecessary. I don't understand that feature from from BMW. Uh, Sammy, can you explain how that works? No, <laughs> no, you can't. No, uh, the split tailgate is basically they made a hatch opening that's about half the size of a normal one, and then they made a tailgate no. opening that's about. It's it's not even half the size of a normal one. That because that would be that would be a little more normal. This is like it's like three quarters the size of a normal one, and then you have this vestigial lip of a tailgate at the bottom that you also have to open. And you know, they open this, separately. They open separately, and they're both power, so you can't lift it closed, even though it's like literally four inches tall. Um, BMW says that that's there because like let's say you open the hatch and you have groceries, you don't want them to fall on the ground. I get that. That makes a little bit of sense. But it's a weird setup because no one else does it, so you're not used to it. I mean, Land Rover used to do something like that. I'm not sure if they still do. But uh, it, it, it is unusual because you have to reach over. It's like, you know, we're always complaining. We're not necessarily complaining, but we talk about um, having to reach over into a hatch to put down luggage. This adds something you have to reach over or at the very least fold down uh, with power controls in order to get into it. You know, I have to reiterate, you hit the button on your key fob or on the door and the hatch opens, but the tailgate does not. No. So then you have to go to the back end of the vehicle and then you can't access your groceries or anything like properly unless you press that other button. Well, you can reach over if you want to, but that's ridiculous. There's another button there too. And this is a little confusing because it confused Mm -hmm. me at first. I mean, if you're an owner, you'll get used to it, but there's a second button that will raise or lower. Actually, I think it just lowers the vehicle uh, because you're on air suspension. So (laughs) it lowers quite a bit too. Yeah. Because you have this, 
this lip you have to reach over, this second tailgate, this air suspension is in place to, uh, I guess, drop it down to the point where it's like a normal tailgate. It's just, it's very complicated. I don't think it's, it's unnecessary. good. It's unnecessary. It's not good this or is bad. More like, unnecessary than the, the this is more unnecessary than the get the gesture controls. Yeah, it's I'm not gonna, gesture. but I'm not gonna fault the car for it. Like it's not, it doesn't make it worse because it's there. It just, like you said, unnecessary. And I also found because of that that tailgate, that bottom tailgate, I couldn't reach groceries that were all the way placed at the back, like where the back seats are. And like it was in the way. Yeah, it's it's in the way by design. Okay, which is um, weird. I also found the exterior design of this car to be kind of um, iterative in a in a really simple way. Like I it just think, doesn't it, look. It depends on the color and okay. if you have the M package. I think okay. that changes a lot. A lot. I don't yes. think so. I feel it looks like wow. the last model year of the vehicle, and I feel like uh, BMW is really coasting on their design. It's very conservative design, and they have some pretty cars in their cl- in their in their lineup. For example, the um, Eight Series is a pretty car, and you know there's no element of of I think stunning design in the X5 at all. I, I disagree. I I had a black. Uh... I also had a black one. All right. Well, my, did you have the the M appearance package? If by M appearance package you mean I had blue brakes and uh, and side sills that said M on them, yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, mine looks. <laughs> I'm looking at photos that I took, and it looks and pretty, black wheels, right? Yeah, black wheels. It looks pretty spiffy. I think it actually looks. I like the look of it a lot, and and it has blue in the headlights too. The it laser headlights, Sammy. Laser headlights. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but it's a thing. I mean, I think I think it looks good. Okay, so then what we, what we need to come to a conclusion about is whether or not you enjoyed the X5 as a vehicle in its class. Did it like like we both exclaimed that we we're kind of surprised at how luxurious it is, how impressive the powertrain is. Other cars in its class might be the Range Rover Sport, the new GLE, which I have driven, and I found it to be a, have a, a a more luxurious interior and a softer ride but um, not as impressive of a powertrain. I haven't driven a GLE yet. Um, the Range Rover Sport hasn't been updated in quite a while, has it? No, so this would this trounces it. I don't know if trounces it is the word, but I do think they're definitely very, very comparable, at least equal footing when it comes to performance. I think this thing really takes it to, takes it to school. The other car that is fairly new, and I actually had on hand to test, is a Porsche Cayenne S, which uses a 2.9-liter twin-turbo V6, uh, instead of a V8, um, and is there any V8 available? Is it? Can you still get a V8 in the GTS and the Turbo? I think. Okay. And I found first of all, our our Cayenne was about at between ten and twenty thousand dollars more expensive than our X. Wow, that is really surprising to me. It wasn't. It's as fast, uh, and I mean that's expected with a with a car like that, um, with that uh, kind of powertrain, that kind of pedigree of. Porsches, and I found it to be the only advantage that the Cayenne has was that the steering is better. But overall, the car did not feel as luxurious, did not feel as special, which is wild considering it's a Porsche. And, and, and wild considering it costs significantly more, like yeah. 18, 18 to 20% more. And we didn't even have some of the features that the X5 had. We didn't have a head-up display. We didn't have um, a wireless charging mat, for example. And, um, you know, the, the Cayenne also has these, like... Um, touch buttons all over the center console and in the light you can see the features that you don't have which i think is really funny <laughs> well you know uh, the the bmw also has those touch those touch buttons on the center console not as many as the as mm-hmm. the porsche but the bmw is a little weird this is kind of something i did want to mention i'm glad you brought it up the bmw has it's it, it almost feels like it's a single panel 
and the touch the touch buttons are kind of carved out of it, but the whole thing kind of moves when you touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not super easy to see in the daylight. I agree with you. It yeah. doesn't feel as nice as the other Switch gear in the car. Uh, if if I was to change one thing about the interior that wasn't the gesture controls, <laughs> it would be how these buttons feel. And these right. are the buttons that control the drive modes. They control the the air suspension. Actually, has a toggle switch, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the other things, it, it's a little the media. It, it controls the 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 iDrive buttons for like if you want to skip to the media screen or the navigation screen or the settings screen. It's all in there as well. Uh, it's a little I don't know fussy. It's a, I think it's a small complaint to have. I think oh, definitely a small complaint. Local. As the, small as headroom in the second row. <laughs> the issue with those touch buttons is that they can attract fingerprints sometimes. But thoroughly impressed with this car, and I think it might be one of the, the class leaders. Again, if you're looking for a little bit more luxurious experience rather than a, a sporty one, I would recommend the new GLE that's on the way. But the X5 is really a, a class-leading vehicle. And it's interesting because uh, I'm driving a, a Jeep uh, Grand, uh, Grand Cherokee right now immediately after the X5, a, a Limited. And it's quite nice inside, but it doesn't approach the BMW. Like maybe Does it feel super dated in in comparison? Like just not, not super dated, but uh, it's just a, a question of materials. I think for things like the 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 controls for the infotainment and the the climate control and whatnot, the way the buttons work, uh, the presentation and overall, I think the, the the Jeep hasn't dramatically changed its interior in quite a while. And you know, it's 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 in all fairness, this is a much much less expensive vehicle, but it's trying to do the same thing. And uh, the Limited is one of the nicer the nicer versions of the Jeep, uh, and I like it but there's a clear gap between the x5 and the jeep and that's not necessarily something that was true in years past so i think that's really something good in bmw's favor that it's starting to feel like we said earlier more special now you drove something that is ultra modern um after your x5 can you give us some details on this jaguar well it was actually it was actually before my oh my mistake sorry but uh in any case, yeah, I drove a Jaguar I-Pace, and the I-Pace, for those who aren't familiar, is an SUV, sort of an SUV. I guess you could call it a crossover because it's more like a raised hatchback than a real sport utility vehicle. But it's completely electric, Sammy. Um, it has a an electric motor, that actually more than one electric motor, and it gives you um, – there's a motor at the front, a motor at the rear, because it's all-wheel drive. You get 394 horsepower and 512 pound-feet of torque. And uh, the most important number, though, is the range. So Jaguar is advertising 234 miles per charge. Uh, it's This is an important vehicle for the company. This is their first all-electric vehicle. Sammy, you've driven this too, right? I have. I drove it very briefly. I didn't get to take it on a long road trip or start charging it or anything like that. But I did drive it in a in actually a, a, a handling course of all things because it has a lot of performance, a lot of power, and it's uh, quite agile feeling for what's billed as an SUV or utility vehicle. So, so almost exactly a year ago, I was at Amelia Island with uh, Ian Callum, the, the head of design at Jaguar, and they had a prototype version of the iPace there. And mm-hmm. we he walked us through the whole vehicle design for about an hour. We were a small group of maybe eight people. And it was really interesting to just pick his brain and try to – you know, understand why certain design decisions were made. For example, the reason that the iPace is a crossover and not a car, it's easy to look at that and say, oh, well, people are buying more SUVs these days, so of course Jaguar would go that route. But it actually was a design concern because of where they wanted to put the battery. 
uh, and they realized that if they put the battery underneath the a sedan, there would be a really high step over into the vehicle, mm-hmm. and customers would probably not like that. But in a crossover, it's more expected, and they're able to raise the the floor of the vehicle with uh, because it has the extra ride height and conceal some of that battery. So things like that were, were were interesting to find out about the vehicle. But what I was really curious about is what's it like every day? I had heard rumors, not really rumors, but uh, just talk from people who'd had trouble getting the advertised range from the from the iBase. And have you heard about this too, Sammy? The 235, 34 miles or so? Yeah. It is a lofty figure. I mean, I imagine things with temperature and driving style could really affect um, that uh, figure. But I was wondering just how much it would be affected. So how did you fare? Well, you know... I um I was and driving you drove it in the winter, right? Yeah, I drove it. It was very it was alternately very cold and somewhat cold. Okay. So probably you know between minus ten, minus nineteen, minus twenty, right around there. That Celsius. Was the, yeah, Celsius. So uh, right around the it, that would be like I guess eight degrees Fahrenheit, uh, between eight and and twelve degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, it obviously would have had an impact on mileage. Um, with an electric car, there's so many things that can impact the advertised range. So when I picked it up, something else that's interesting is when I picked it up, it was about 90% charged. I took it home. I I plugged it in here at my house. I have 110 um, volts. I don't have a a huge charging – I don't have an actual level 2 charging station. But Mm -hmm. I left it for about a day. I was able to get it up to 94%. That's that's the highest I was ever able to get it up to. But at 94%, it was showing me between 280 and 290 kilometers of range. Oh, wow. Um, which is about 175 to 180 miles. So right away, as soon as they turned the vehicle right. on, well, it's not that it's not right. It's just that it's very cold. So those temperatures dropped about 40 to 45 miles off the range of the vehicle, which is uh, 18 to 20% of the total okay. range. So now I'm at 80% of capacity, um, even though I'm at almost 100% battery capacity. And when I was driving, if I used things like climate control, if I used the heated seats, if I used the heated windshield, all of that would cut mileage from my range. Mm-hmm. So uh, I never ran it down to zero. I mean, there were a couple times where I got the battery down to about 50%, mm-hmm. but most of it was, was driving around town. I didn't really go on very many extended trips. Um, were you nervous? I was never nervous in the vehicle because I never planned to take it the full the full Monty. Although we have a colleague, Justin Pritchard, who lives in northern Ontario. Well, not really northern Ontario, but north of Toronto. And yeah, Sunbury. Um, he he took the vehicle on a trip in minus twenty degrees Celsius, and he got four hundred kilometers out of the out of the battery, which is actually a little bit better than two hundred thirty four miles of range. Uh, he did that by keeping the heating systems and everything at their lowest possible setting and by bundling up you in the winter. Yeah. Well, he he had no choice because half of his journey, there was about 200 kilometers. So 140 miles where there were no charging stations whatsoever. So he was really rolling the dice there, but he was able to do it. So I, I was, I was very, you know, I'm not saying any of this to knock the iPace because I think that, and I know for a fact, every, EV is going to have less range in cold weather, and the I don't think that the iPace displayed any more or less um, of a of a drop off in that category because it was cold. Okay, um, we have to get like I want to talk about the iPace beyond the range. Is this? Did you find this car enjoyable, interesting? Did it get a lot of attention? 
Okay, so it is extremely quick. I mean, 500 pound-feet of torque will get your attention very quickly. The throttle <laughs> response, like, it's, it's not throttle. The accelerator response is incredible. Like, no matter what speed you're rolling at, if you womp on that accelerator, you are going to take off like you've been fired out of a cannon. And I, what, what delighted me about that was passengers who aren't used to electric cars, they, they have this concept that electric cars are, you know, they're all like a Prius. That, that I think that's very much... Yeah. If you're not an enthusiast, you don't necessarily think about performance when you think battery. But uh, that was quickly changed by uh, any amount of time they spent inside the iPace, which is extremely quick. And it handles relatively well as well, even on winter tires. I did not really... The, the vehicle felt quite planted. Uh, I drove it through ice and snow. It, it grabbed with pretty much the same level of grip I would expect from a an internal combustion engine running a four-wheel drive system. I mean, when you have front and rear motors, you can get very granular with uh, traction control. You can turn things on and off instantaneously if you detect wheel spin. Um, it's very easy to manage power. So you kind of have an advantage in an electric car. And I, I felt very safe and secure in the I-Pace at all times. It, it also looks really great inside. It feels like you're inside something special i think that's important for a car like this the first electric vehicle from jaguar it comes across as a real accomplishment this is you're inside it and it feels like an event uh and it does catch a lot of attention when you're driving around because there are very few of these right now and mine was bright orange <laughs> which i believe is the launch color i believe it had a launch edition version of the vehicle and it's it, it is a special uh, automobile you know what? The it, it's getting a lot of attention um, globally from from other critics. I mean, it won uh, AJAC, which is the Automotive Journalists Association of Canada Utility Vehicle of the Year award, which is kind of impressive for an electric Jaguar. Uh, and I don't think Jaguar has made or a JLR product has made the final uh, the finalist selection in in as far as I've known. So it's it, it's building such a great reputation for the brand and what they're capable of, both in terms of design. I think design, Jaguar has always been fantastic in terms of design, but with engineering and uh, production as well. And uh, I, I'd driven in December the the um, e-tron from Audi, mm-hmm. which... Should be a direct competitor. It right? is a direct competitor, and it doesn't feel as special as the iPace. Uh, it feels... So Why? Like, well, what's interesting is to me the e-tron felt exactly like an Audi SUV that just happened to be powered by electricity. And I think that's good. I think that's pretty much what you need to be able to sell regular consumers on the idea of an electric car. But the iPace, as I said before, it feels like an event. It feels like a high-performance car. And it has an almost futuristic concept car look to it. And I think that Based on that, this is something more unique in its segment. I don't know if it's directly comparable to an e-tron because of those characteristics. And you know, we were talking earlier about how heavy the X5 is. The the iPace is 4,784 pounds. It is quite heavy. I mean, that, lighter than the X5, though. Yeah, lighter than the X5, but it's smaller than the X5, too. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it does 60 in four and a half seconds, which is pretty much what that V8 twin-turbo X5 does. Yeah. It'll only go to 124 miles an hour. Not really a big okay. deal, I don't think. <laughs> But uh, it's it's $81,000. That's the base price of the vehicle. So that is a considerable amount of money to spend on a vehicle like this. So my question is, Sammy, mm-hmm. would you buy this over a Model X? Yeah, yeah, mm, I'm struggling. The The Model X, and I'm, I'm sure, first of all, I don't really like the look of the Model X. But no, the Model X has something that's going for it that no other electric car has. Other than any, any Tesla model, and that's the supercharging, uh, the supercharger network, which well, is, and the and the range. I mean, you can get 
considerably more range from a Model X than you can from an iPace. To, to me, that's the only area where I think the Model X stands out. I think it's a very boring-looking vehicle. I think Falcon doors are absurd in any environment yeah. where there's snow. I had a friend who took his to a snowing er- snowy area, and he had nothing but problems with snow falling inside the car every time he opened the back doors. And right. it, that is absurd. You do not have any kind of compromise like that with the Jaguar. But you do have a considerable uh, range deficit and the charging I, to me it's 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 to me i don't have as much of an issue with range as i do with charge times i mean maybe i would rather uh the charge times be shorter and more or and more frequent than um longer and less frequent do you know what i mean no i don't agree with that at all i'd rather stop less when i'm on a road trip than stop more because once i get to my destination it doesn't matter how long it takes to charge because i'm i'm already there but if i'm sitting like at a service station and i have to charge I, three times versus not having to charge at all. I think I would rather rather not have to charge at all. I guess we just have different ideas of how long a road trip is. <laughs> well, I'm thinking so. I mean, in Canada, uh, the, the, what's the distance between Montreal and uh, Toronto? It's it's oh 600 God. kilometers, it's, yeah, right? Yeah, 600 kilometers. So uh, I, if I can't do that in in the I pace, you, know, you like, would I, have to. Well, not in the winter for sure. Not in the winter. Not in not in the summer either. I guess you'd have to really push it. You'd be pushing your no. luck, essentially. There's no way. I mean, it's a 400 kilometer range. Yeah. So you're you're you can only get two thirds of the way there. My mistake. Sorry, I was uh, I was thinking of another number then. Sorry. Yeah. So, um. So I I would have to stop, but in a Model X, I might not necessarily have to stop. But then you'd be stuck with the the whole. You'd have to join the model the Tesla fan club. Well, I'm not and... saying I want one. I'm just saying that I think that. <laughs> I, 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 let me let me double check because it's 289 miles is the the top range for the Model X. So that's 462. I guess that's not as big of a difference um, no. if you really pushed it. But it is 50 miles more than the iPace. So if you're shopping numbers, you're going to look at that in the Model X. If you're shopping everything else, the iPace just makes more sense to me. I, I think that the it just I have not driven a Model X, so mm. this is you know all secondhand knowledge. But uh, styling and performance, um, definitely an edge for the Jaguar. Uh, unless you're talking straight line speed and you, and you just want to drag race, then I'm sure the Model X would, you know, be the winner there. It is a very beautiful car. The I-Pace, the yeah. world is better for these things being on the road, I think. Well, this, why can't, why can't electric car. cars all look like this? There's, there's no reason they have to be dowdy appliances like the Model X. You know, it's so weird that the Model X looks terrible when the Model S actually <laughs> looks pretty decent. So yeah. kind of a ball drop there. But uh, no balls drop with Jaguar. It's, and it's what worth- about the in- – and did you, did you like the interior and the, the infotainment system? I found that there were a couple of times when I wasn't a fan of all of the – like. They're like these glass dials and stuff like that in the in the Jaguar iPace. Do you know what I'm I, talking about? I think it looks pretty good. I think it mm. matches the exterior, and I think that's what's important. I like the idea that the um, there's enough there was the, as much attention paid to making the inside look like the future as they did with the outside. Okay. So I didn't have a problem with that. Um, so some some aspects of the interface might be a little clunky, but there's generally there's a, a real G whiz factor when you see how uh, mm-hmm. infotainment information can be displayed on more than one screen or it can move around depending on what you're doing with the infotainment system itself. Because uh, as, as Sammy's talking uh, about the fact that there's multiple screens on the center console, large and small, mm-hmm. and you have you know what's in front of you as well as the driver, it's, uh, it's very much a glass touch type of thing. I was able to use it with gloves for the most part, which I appreciated because it was quite cold. But mm-hmm. I didn't have any real major complaints about that. Okay. Um Going on to the to the last car we've got time to talk about today, 
is um, Ben. I'm looking at the show notes here. A Nissan Altima? What? <laughs> well, this week, I uh, what kind I, of Altima is, uh, would make our would make the cut onto our podcast? Well, interesting cars. It's called it's called the Ultimate Sammy. And I'm uh, sorry, I, what? <laughs> The Ultima TE, but the Ultimate is how you pronounce it. So I don't even remember last year or a couple of years ago, Nissan uh, took a version of the Rogue mm-hmm. and they put it on tracks, like four-wheel tracks, and they oh, drove they up the ski a hill. Name. Rogue what, Warrior or something. Rogue Warrior, yeah, something really oh, intense and scary, like something you would you would shield your children from. <laughs> but uh, they, this year, they've come out with an all-wheel drive version of the Ultima, which I drove this week um, in snowy. I drove it on an ice track with studded tires. I also drove it on – actually, credit to Nissan. They took us to uh, – they took us up north of Montreal to an area where the roads – the snowbanks were literally 10 feet tall. Because there's been so much snow this year, but we were on back roads, dirt roads, and and ice most of the time. It was not uh, it was not easy going. And the Altima, the standard Altima all-wheel drive, did a very good job with it. It's a transparent system. Um, the the it's interesting. The Altima. There's only two other cars in the midsize sedan segment, I believe, Sammy, that offer all-wheel drive. You have the mm-hmm. Legacy. Mm-hmm. from Subaru and you have the Fusion which is getting a bit old but if you want to get uh, all wheel drive on the Fusion you have to order the Titanium or the the Sport which is the V6 model and they're both quite and they're expensive. expensive. They're expensive. Yeah. So all that to say there was also a version of the Altima that had tracks <laughs> which they called the Ultimate and they they the same guy built it who built the the Rogue Warrior and it has huge flared fenders, so that it, I don't know why it needs fenders. Like it's like it's never going to go on the road. But anyway, they they put fenders to accommodate these tracks, and um, since it's all wheel drive, you know it works. Uh, it's it's you don't have to worry about it's 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 the it, it, I get the feeling that Nissan would put tracks on everything they have that's all wheel drive if they could. Uh, it's what, it's a fun. What do the tracks? So like these are tank treads. Like yeah, they're, 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 they're like snowmobile like snowcat yeah. treads. And, and what is the deal here? Why is this a good thing? It's whimsical, Sammy. It's from a time when cars. <laughs> so were you don't fun. like gesture controls, but tracks on a car. Actually, that is pretty cool, to be honest. <laughs> so I got to drive it, uh, and we drove it on mostly on packed snow with a little bit of a few areas where there was some powder. Uh, the, the guy who built it apologized for how loud it was because uh, on packed snow, it tends to vibrate. But if you're in deeper powder, like theoretically, you could go as deep as the – the powder could go up to the top of the treads, and they're still going to work. Like these are triangular treads. It gives you, you – you get up into this vehicle. It's not It's not low to the ground. Um and uh, it's interesting because there's a bit of a delay between when you turn the steering wheel and and where the treads go. Like, it's not like a car where you have a tire sidewall and there's flex and stuff. There's no real roll or anything. It's very it's direct in that sense. But you have to you have to turn right away because you're not rolling forward. It's it's continual movement based on the accelerator. Um, it'll roll a little bit. But uh, you have to really be on the ball when you turn it. Otherwise, you can very quickly find yourself on the outside of a corner facing a snowbank. Oh, my God. Um, which is fine because you're on treads, right? But it's, right. it's not ideal. <laughs> and it goes pretty quick. Like, uh, you're, you're, it's got a CVT like every other Altima. This is the two and a half. Uh, the, the all-wheel drive system is only available with the base four-cylinder engine. You can't get it with the VC turbo. Um, so you have decent, decent power. Um, it's, it's quite a trip. It's a, it's a little loud and a little bouncy, but you get the feeling like there's nothing that could stop you. And so does it relate the feeling of the all wheel drive Ultima to the, the ultimate? Um, is there any correlation there? Is it supposed to make you feel like more, 
you know, happy about the all wheel drive ultimate. No, or it's just, it's just supposed to be fun and go to go to auto shows and like look badass. Yeah, I had fun. I mean, I never, I'll never drive anything like that again. I'm sure. So that's it's a novel experience. And I think it's cool when you go to when you see something that looks like it would be a concept static display car, and then you can drive it. <laughs> like it would be like if you went to you know remember when they made all those Star Wars cars from oh, Nissan? Yeah. It would be like if they let you drive one of those. Like it feels in very space. much yeah in space. If they put you in space with like an, and they're like forty five minutes of oxygen, and you'll never come back to Earth, but it'll be fun. And then you're like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, or we had a good we had a good run. I mean, you have to find a new co-host for the podcast. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I mean, but co-hosts are a dime a dozen. No offense, Sammy. <laughs> There's a list. There's a lineup. Okay, okay. Um, that's pretty. It's pretty wild looking. It's huge. It looks so tall. How tall is this thing? It's pretty tall. I mean, you have to really climb up inside of it. Oh my uh, god. There's no ladder or anything either, which I think is cool. There's no like running boards or whatever. I guess they would just get in the way. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's it doesn't clank though. You know, like you think like tanks like rumble and clank and bl- and like like in like in a military movie or something. It's <laughs> the, the treads are are they're rubber and you don't get that kind of. It doesn't sound like it weighs six hundred tons. Like it it, it thrums on a, a hard packed surface, but other than that, it it, it doesn't feel like it's going to fly apart. Cool. All right. So that's a good. You know what? This was a really fun and interesting. Um assortment of vehicles in this week's podcast so um do you know what we're going to be talking about next week uh next week i'm going to be talking a little bit about the jeep that i'm driving this week because it's the limited but it's the limited x which is essentially the fake srt (laughs) so so that's going to be uh fun to talk about and I have uh, something a little less exciting, but the it's still interesting to a wide variety of buyers, which is the Toyota RAV4, um, which I'm looking forward to, to discussing because it's such a popular car. So are you saying that after two weeks of having supercars, we're now going to have two weeks of just SUVs? I think so, Ben. Don't. Okay. Don't let our. I I'm mean, not I don't saying know. don't People listen next week. The, uh, there's lots of. There is. You know what? A bunch of supercar were, were supercars were debuted at the Geneva Motor Show, and uh, we should talk about those. Yeah, next we're going to do a lightning round next week on the Geneva Motor Show supercars with a yes or a no, just basically on on how we feel about them because there were so many, we really can't get into all of the details. Yeah. But we can definitely make instantaneous judgment calls uh, based on very little information. <laughs> And if you want to make an instantaneous judgment call, why don't you head to our website and see what our podcast and our um, social media presence has to do for you. Just go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and you'll see all of our latest episodes as well as photos uh, and links to the reviews uh, of the cars that we're talking about, which is pretty cool. And you can also uh, subscribe to our podcast on various podcast clients right there from the website or from your podcast client. And uh, we're found on Spotify, on Google Play Music, on iTunes, on CastBox, on uh, just about everything. So Pretty much everything, yeah. Be sure to subscribe. And if you could leave us some feedback... That'd be helpful. I would appreciate it. I think and, Ben and would take you, it pretty, pretty nicely, you, too. Yeah, if you wanted to leave feedback, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. Uh, you can do it on the webpage itself, or you can message us on uh, social media. Sammy is on Twitter, which is um, abhorrent. But if you're on Twitter, too, you can be you can reach Sammy at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Mm-hmm. If you're more into good vibes, I'm on Instagram, and you can get me there at Hunting Benjamin, or you can just email me the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, until next week, um, yes, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>